Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good morning. I'm glad you survived snowocalypse, snowmageddon, the whiteout, the blizzard of 2018. We're glad you survived it somehow. I don't know how you made it this morning, but we're glad that you did. <laughs> well, US, uh, UPS expects to deliver 750 million packages during this season. That's uh, up from 500 million five years ago. They say that they typically ship somewhere around 19 million packages a day. But during this season, during the holiday season, that doubles um, between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day. It doubles how many packages they deliver. Something else that goes up during this time is reported thefts from porches and cars. And so they ask UPS how much money is lost during this season through theft. And they wouldn't answer. Uh, they wouldn't tell us how. They said they don't, they don't comment or discuss the cost of lost packages. Imagine that. But what we do know is this, that uh, in, a, in, in a survey that was taken last year in 2017, that 33% of Americans said that they've had a delivered package stolen from their home before they ever had a chance to open it because it was taken off their porch. 33%. During that period, that's up from, uh, here, here's the exact numbers, 25.9 million Americans lost something off their porch last year. That's up from 23.5 million in 2015. So even though Christmas is all about giving and it's better to give than to receive and all that kind of stuff, we also know that if you read the account carefully, there's a lot of stuff listed and talked about that have been lost and perhaps even stolen. Last week we talked about his stolen presence. This morning I want to talk to you about stolen opportunity. Stolen opportunity. Before we go any further, I need to uh, refresh your memory about a quote that I've used with you on several other occasions that I just want to remind you because I think it's a powerful quote and I think there's truth in it and it says this, the opportunity of a lifetime is only good during the lifetime of the opportunity. Right? In other words, simply put, opportunities can be lost, opportunities can be missed, opportunities can, in fact, be stolen. Therefore, we must capitalize on every chance, every opportunity that we are given. It should not surprise us uh, that the enemy of our soul would not want us to take advantage of every opportunity that we have because Jesus himself, Jesus himself talks about the enemy of our soul and he describes him like this. He's a thief. In fact, he says it like this. It's almost like he says it twice. He's a thief and the thief comes. See, he, he's already identified who he is. Then he tells us what he does and he repeats it. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, y'all know it. So it's like twice. He's a thief. And then not only is he a thief, he steals. Because to be a thief, you have to. Okay. So, um, so he wants us to understand that if we're not careful... The enemy will steal from us. And one of the things that he will steal from us is the opportunities and the, uh, the potential that is locked up in those opportunities. So let's go to the account. We know this account well. Just one verse of scripture. Luke chapter 2. 
In Luke chapter 2, verse 7, I'm going to read it out of a different version than we would normally read it because I think the version we normally read it to plays into our Western mindset and we miss what's really going on. So, so I need you to put your uh, Israeli mindset on as we read it. And those of you that just got back will have an easier time with this. Those of you that didn't get to go, look at our pictures. You'll feel like you were there. But even if you don't feel like you were there, I'm going to help you think like an, a, a Jew this morning, all right? Somebody from the Middle East. This is what it says, a more uh, accurate translation. Luke chapter 2, beginning of, or just at verse 7. And she brought forth her son, the firstborn, and she wrapped him up and laid him down in the manger because there was not for them a place in the guest chamber. Does that sound a little bit different? Because don't we read it differently than that? Most, uh, some of you can even quote it. There was no room for him where? In the inn. Right? So what we've done is we've overlaid our Western culture and mentality onto the story. And so then when we read it like this, and there was no room for him in the end, we instantly think that Best Western is full to capacity and there's no room at the hotel. Like I put, I put Motel 6, all, they left a light on for him. They, they didn't leave a light on for him. They forgot. And there was no room in the end. That's how we think about it. But what we need to understand is that the word that Luke uses here for, for in is uh, probably mistranslated a little bit in our normal versions. And the version that I read to you is more accurate. Because the word he uses here is this, cataluma, which means guest room. So there was no room for him in the guest room. Okay, just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Uh, so when those of us that went to Israel, we visited a little village called Kat, Katzreen. I can't ever say it right, but uh, Katzreen. And, and they had a house that they had reconstructed, a, a, a literal house that was from the time of Jesus. They reconstructed it. And what we discovered is this. Uh, there aren't any individual rooms. It's just open rooms, just small open rooms. Like there's an open family room that you eat all your meals in, that you, you spend all your time in. And if they were fortunate, they might have one upper room for the master bedroom. But everything else is just common area. There were, there were no individual rooms. So um, the, the homes of that day, they just didn't have rooms like we have rooms. It was... Are y'all with me? Okay. So, so then, in other words, maybe more an a, more accurate understanding of what Luke was trying to communicate. Maybe we need to get this picture and this scene in our mind. The word that he chooses is really more about space. There was no space. There was not enough room. There was not enough space for them to come into the structure. I don't want you to misread because if we misread, we tend to feel badly towards the innkeeper. Because we got the we got the picture, Western picture of some guy at a counter that we walk up to, and there's a vacancy sign on blinking in the window, and we come up to a room, and he says, "No, I don't have any place for you." And then we start feeling bad about the innkeeper. He was a jerk. If he wasn't a jerk. He'd have made room for. But you've got to understand, you've got to read it from the culture and the perspective of the culture. The, the Middle Easterners have a code of hospitality that continues to exist even to this day. They will make room for you if they can. They will protect you when they're in, you're in, your, in their house. Travelers that they don't even know, strangers that they're not even familiar with, can come by and find a place to stay. But in this particular situation, I, I, I think it was because of lack of room 
This lack of room caused this family to miss the opportunity of a lifetime. And I think we need to ask ourselves some questions out of this account and out of that understanding of what's taking place in the account. I want you to think about this just for a moment. Let's just stop. This family had the opportunity to witness the birth of God in flesh. How many of you know that doesn't happen every day? Right? This family, they could have been front on a front row seat as God broke in. The God of the universe broke in on the scene, wrapped in flesh, wrapped in, 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 in humanity. They could have had a front row seat watching it take place. But there was no space. They could have been like the welcoming party for the Messiah. They could have been the one with the balloons and the candy cigars and the storks and the baby announcements. And they could have been right there as a part of that. But they missed the, the opportunity of a lifetime simply because they didn't have any room or any space. You know, I'm going to ask it. Some of you are already way ahead of me. But I'm going to ask it anyway. I wonder how many of us miss Jesus because of a lack of room or space in our life. You can can clean the nativity scene up all you want to, but the truth is is it's dealing with the lack of space in our life for Jesus. I I wonder how many of of us have opportunities to experience Him and to interact with Him and to encounter Jesus, but we opt out or we miss those opportunities. We dismiss them. They're stolen from us simply because we have a lack of space in our lives. What is it that's crowding Jesus out of your life? People, I mean, maybe, maybe we spend more time with people than we spend time with God because the, the, the chaos of their life, the circus of their life clamors for our attention to the degree that we get so much consumed by what's going on in their life and they're calling for our attention, they're calling for our time, they're calling for our concern to the point that we have no ability to create any space in our own life for God simply because of what people, people are crowding out God in our lives. Maybe it's work. Could it be that the, 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 the drive at work and the demand of work and I just need a little more time at the desk and I've got this assignment and I've got this due and there's a deadline and I've got to spend just a little more time. If I could just have a little more time, I, I, I've got to get it done. I, I know I need to spend time with him and I know I need to spend time in his word and I know I need to submit my life to him. But, but work crowds out. Did you know you can work for Jesus and still miss Jesus and you can work around Jesus and still miss Jesus? Jesus, because if you're not careful, work can crowd out Jesus. The need for room. What about the cares of life? I think there's a parable about that, a lesson about But the, let me just bring, could it be just the cares of life, bills and kids and responsibilities and all these things, relationships and our ambitions and our calendars and our schedules and they're cramming our life and the cares of life can be used to steal our ability to have space, time, room for Jesus. Jesus understood that this could happen. Did you know what happens in Jesus' own experience with his, with his disciples? I want you to notice that Jesus uses the concept of stealing and he does it like this, steal away with me. 
He said, it's almost like he recognizes that in order for you to create room for him in your life, you're going to have to play thief in your own life. You're going to have to go steal some time from something else. I'll, I'll read it to you. It's Mark chapter 6. Listen to what Jesus says. He says to his disciples, come away with me. Come away with me. Let us go alone to a quiet place. Some of us would do good just to have a quiet place. Some, some of us never encounter it. We have no room for Christ in our life because we have chaos in our life and crescendos in our life and noise in our life and distractions in our life. But we never have a quiet place where we encounter him. Come away with me. Let us go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. Many people were coming and going and they could not even eat. So they went away in a boat to a lonely place by themselves. It's like Jesus understood the, 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 the distress and the disease of our day is that we're so busy and so consumed and so distracted that we have no ability to create space, no margin for him. They couldn't take him into their home because they didn't have any room. My question this morning is how many of us can't even take him into our own lives because we have no space, hello, no space, no room, no, no margin, no area for Jesus to come into because we're full of everything else. I, I think maybe that, that some of you would say, if I ask you this question, do you have any space for him? You would say this, sure, that's why I'm here this morning. I make space for him every Sunday morning. But how many of you know that you can be here but be absent? Because, see, some of you have already filled out your grocery list in your mind. And some of you have already dealt with what you've got to do this afternoon and where you're going to go to lunch and who you're going to go to lunch with and who you need to talk to and who do I need to see and what am I going to do when I get out of church? When I finally get out of church, I'll have the time necessary to go do what I need to do. I need to get the oil changed in the car. i got to go diaper my dog. i got to go do whatever i got to do. I got, I, but, but, but while we're here, we can't even really worship. Because we have no space. We have no room. And we miss him. The thief comes to steal. The thief can bring you to church, allow you to come to church, even make it possible for you to come to church, and you can walk through those doors and think, I've done my duty, and you can in that moment miss the opportunity to encounter Jesus for yourself. Stolen by distraction, stolen by distress. There's a second thing I want you to notice. I want you to notice the innkeeper had no space because his space was occupied. I wonder if we're too occupied. Ooh, it's quiet up in here. Okay, so um, so I want you to notice what happens because, again, I don't want you to have ill will against this, this innkeeper. I want you to notice that he makes room for Jesus, what we have called the stable. So, since we're Western, what we think of is what we've seen in the old country and Western movies where, where there's the, the little cabin and then there's a stable out back. Uh, those of us that were in Israel experienced this. Probably not very accurate because probably what happened is, is that when you first walk in the front door, there's a place for the animals that's a, literally attached to the house. It's just not the living area. So let me say, so, so he doesn't have room in the living area, so he puts him in the, sta- the stable, right? So, let, so let, me atta- let, me, let me help you here. Let me define it like this. He puts him in a fringe area. A fringe area. 
I don't have any room in the main part, Jesus. We're occupied in here, but we will make room for you in the fringe area of our life. Okay, so, so, so our lack of space, if we're not careful because we have no space and everything is occupied, we will restrict Jesus to the fringe areas of our life. Just enough to say that he is close, but we never allow him to invade the deeper parts of our life. We're too occupied. We, gee, we just keep him. If we can do this, we, we attempt to do this. Just keep Jesus at church. Because if we can keep Jesus at church, then we can live the rest of our life like we want to. Just the fringe area. It's just something I do on Sunday morning just so I can say I did it. But it doesn't have any real impact on the rest of my life. I just, just, just put him there in the fringe area. Just keep him in a certain circle of friends. Because if I can just keep Jesus constrained to a certain circle of my friends, then I can go and I can hang out with them. And I can act like Jesus has complete control of my life, but he's just in that one fringe circle. So then when I exit that scene, I can pick up another scene with my friends, these friends that don't have anything to do with that fringe area of my life. And I can talk like I want to talk. I can go where I want to go. I can drink what I want to drink. I can do what I want to do. I can do who I want to do. I can do everything. I want to do in my life and it's just a fringe area of my life but he's close enough he's, he's there but he's not all the way in occupied we're too occupied I, I wonder if, if maybe we have missed the opportunity to allow Jesus to invade every aspect of our life have we allowed Jesus to invade every aspect of our life maybe we ought to just stop a moment in this Christmas season and see if maybe we're not playing the role of the innkeeper and say hey we're occupied just hang out here Jesus in the fringe room but don't come in and deal anything with my work because I want to act a certain way at work and I want to treat people less certain way at work and I want to have an attitude to work and but I came to church but I just don't have room in that area of my life I wonder if we are keeping Jesus from occupying our love life are we keeping Jesus out of our entertainment life see I wonder how many of us have allowed Jesus in the house but he's not really in charge of the house He's in the front door, he's in the front area, but we never let Jesus walk into our living room, into our bedroom, into our entertainment room, into any other aspect of our life because we're too occupied. We're too full of everything else like our own desires and our own choices and our own wishes. There's a military, that, that's, a, that's a military term, uh, Occupied. I went and looked it up. I wanted to make sure if I understood it completely because I, I wasn't sure. when the, the word there, occupied, is a military term which literally means who is in control. It's a control issue. Who is in control? What I've discovered is that most of us have some kind of relationship with Jesus, but it's a fringe relationship so that he really doesn't have control of our life. Because we haven't allowed Jesus to occupy our life. We've allowed our life to occupy the space that was supposed to go to Him. Uh, we're missing the opportunity. I want you to understand that the enemy uses our life and, and these desires for control to steal from us the experience of having a fully, check this out, a fully surrendered life. 
fully surrendered. We're missing the benefits that can only be discovered by those who are fully occupied by him. Not Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Fully occupied. Jesus has as much control and as much influence on my life on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock as he does on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And he has just as much control of my life on Friday night at 8 o'clock as he did on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Until we come to that place, we miss the benefits of allowing him to fully control and occupy our life. I want to challenge you this morning that during this season, you stop and you reconsider whether or not you've made any room for him. I I I don't want you to miss the opportunity that has been given you to encounter Him. But to encounter Him, you literally have to make space. You have to steal time. You have to steal moments. You have to steal quiet to get to Him. I want you to make sure that during this time, you, you clear your schedule for Him. That you clear your heart for Him. That you clear your mind for him. Don't miss this opportunity. Because what he did on his birthday, he will do on your, in your life as well. He will demand and come seeking space. And we've allowed so much to crowd him out. I will tell you that Jesus will come in an unexpected manner. He will come most likely at an inconvenient time. He has a habit of doing that. He will probably arrive wrapped in some unlikely package. But here's the truth. He will come. During this season, there will be moments where he will come and present the opportunity to spend some time to encounter him face to face. And if we're not careful, we will allow the enemy of our soul to live up to his job description and he will steal the opportunity. And the opportunity of a lifetime is only available during the lifetime of the opportunity. And if we're not careful in that moment, we will miss the encounter that we so desperately long for and need. The innkeeper did. He missed it. Others missed it as well. All you got to do is go read John because John says he came to his own. And his own received him not. They missed him. They didn't have any space. They had no room. Do you? Uh, You've heard this story before, but I think it probably fits extremely well. It's it's about Wally. Wally Wally was in uh, second grade. He was supposed to be in fourth. Wally was just a little bit slow. He, he, he was a big old kid, much bigger than the kids in his class, but he was slow and, 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 and he, he struggled to learn and, and just, a little di- just a little different. And the teacher decides it's December, it's time uh, to do a Christmas play at school. It, uh, you can tell it was a different day because we couldn't get away with this now because um, we're, we're too occupied uh, and we don't have any space for him. But they put on a Christmas play. And in the Christmas play, they acted out the nativity scene. And so she's handing out all the parts for Joseph and Mary and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men. And then it comes, everybody's got to have a part because you want parents to come to the play. So you got to give everybody a part, right? And so she comes to Wally. What in the world am I going to do with Wally? Well, Wally's bigger than everybody else. And Wally can be a little slow, but, but he can be kind of firm too. He doesn't mean to. So, so I think we'll make Wally the innkeeper. 
So she gives him the part. There's not that many lines. And he, 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 they, they do the rehearsals and he does it real well. And with a little bit of coaching, she gets him to be really stern. No, there's no room in this inn. No, there's no room for you. Be, go away from here. I don't have any space for you. And it's going just like it's planned until the night that they decide to put on the play. They put on the play and Joseph and Mary... She's obviously pregnant, got the baby bump going on, and they walk up to the, ho- the, the little inn, our westernized concept of the inn, and Wally comes out, and, the, oh, and Joseph looks at him, this little uh, five-year-old, six-year-old kid, uh, sir, do you have any room in your inn? And, and Wally, being just like he's supposed to, she's so proud, and the teacher's so proud, he's stern, he looks, no, no room in the inn, be, be gone. Why do you trouble me? She's so proud of him. He's done so good. Joseph and Mary start away, and they just on a, on a whim, they turn back around and, Sir, look at my wife. She's, she's heavy with child, great with child. Could, couldn't, you, couldn't you just make room for it? And Wally, just a little less stern, No! Be gone. I don't have any room. And finally, Joseph and Mary turn, and they begin to walk away, and Joseph looks over his shoulder and says, Sir, are you sure? And, with tears starting to form in his eyes, Wally looks up and said, you can have my room. And I wonder this morning if there's any room in your house. When Jesus approaches us during the season, do we have any space Or are we so occupied with the hustle and the bustle and the presence and the wrappings and the stress and the chaos and the noise that we come to church, but we don't encounter Him? And we celebrate Christmas and we gather around trees and we pray prayers, but we don't take advantage the opportunity of encountering the King of Kings being birthed into our situation and in our life. I want April and Catherine to come and I want us to take a moment. We've got a few moments here and I just want you to answer some questions in your own life. The first question I need you to answer is this. Do I have any space left in my life for him? Is, is the space that Jesus could occupy being eaten up by work, by people, by cares, by family, by things? What pushes Jesus away from my life? The second question I need you to ask this morning before we have an opportunity to encounter him and spend some time with him is this. Have you dismissed him and restricted him to the fringe areas Or are you willing to allow him to come deep inside your own life and invade every relationship, every habit, every practice? Are you willing to allow him to move deep inside your home and allow him to occupy that space? Father, this morning I pray that as we spend just a few moments your presence I pray this morning that we would be 
mindful of the fact that there are opportunities that you're giving us during this season to encounter you and this is one of them. This is one of those moments that you've you've orchestrated where we would have enough time to steal away, to come away from the hustle and the bustle, but but to, to, to take advantage of this opportunity. We must quiet our mind and our spirit and all the voices that clamor for our attention. So Father, this morning in this quiet moment, I just pray that we would steal away and we would spend time with your son, Jesus. God, I pray right now that in this moment where we just stop, we stop everything. That in this moment, I pray that we would hear you knocking on the door of our life. all the stuff that has occupied our time and our energy and our attention would fade away. We would allow you to invade every aspect, every area, every choice, every decision, every attitude, every moment of our lives. I pray that you would do this Jesus' name, as they sing, would you just steal away with him for a few moments?
won't steal away with him for just a moment. Father, my cry this morning for us is this, that during this Christmas season, we would not allow the thief to take advantage of this incredible opportunity that we have to encounter you. May we stay focused on what really matters. May we stay laser-like focused on why we even celebrate Christmas. God, I know that during this season there are so many demands on our families. There's so many demands on our time. There's demands on our finances. I just pray that even in the midst of all that, we would learn to steal away. We would take time. And we would do more than keep you at a fringe level. We would allow you go to go deep into our lives and occupy every aspect of our life. I pray over this congregation and on each individual here that you would help us not to miss opportunities that you've designed for us. I pray that when you walk by this year, during this season and different moments and you ask to come in, that we would throw open the doors and none of us would say, hey, there's no room. Just pray in Jesus' name we would encounter you at a greater level, a deeper level this year than we've ever encountered you in our past. Come alive in us, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Would you touch your neighbor? Say, You got to make room for him. Come on, tell him, You got to make room for him. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.